Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Phil, it's another one of those podcasts. Yeah. The, uh, another th- therapy podcast, I guess. Um, th- that game did not go the way we had hoped, obviously. Um, but I, I got when I got to the end of that game, I just thought Marquette really kind of earned that loss. I, ne- I didn't feel dejected or screwed or tough luck. I just felt like, boy, they, they, they really kind of earned that L on Saturday. What did you think? Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're jumping right in, but yeah, it was I one, I'm out of the prediction business, first of all. Um, and and two, this is this is the, the, the dark side of of lofty expectations. But yeah, I again, I, I always hesitate because I don't want to take anything away from an opponent. But uh, I, th- I think you're right. I think Marquette lost that game. I don't know that Seton Hall necessarily won it. I think I think Marquette. There's there's any number of things you can point out on Mark at at Marquette's side that if they play, you know, individuals or collectively or con, you know from a structured standpoint, they could have won that game w- without question. And Marquette cost themselves the game, and that's not something I would expect to happen this year. Yeah. So I guess yeah. So get to, yeah, we are kind of jumping right into that game. But yeah, today's show it's pretty much obvious what we're going to go through. What happened in the Seton Hall game? Is it an, uh, is it another fluke that we can shrug off, or is there are there larger issues that we want to really digest with this team? And then we'll uh, look ahead to uh, just one game during the week this week, and that would be the game at Butler on Wednesday. Marquette does not play this coming weekend, but they do uh, play on Monday against uh, Villanova. But we'll probably talk about that one in the next podcast. But yeah, Phil, this um, you know, this game against Seton Hall. I, uh, you know, they got off to such a rip-roaring start. I mean, they mm-hmm. came out of the gate just absolutely humming. And um, it looked like they were just in their bag in, within the first, you know, what, five, six minutes of that game. But yep. the, the the Chase Ross injury happened. Um, and then, man, uh, it, things slowly started to go downhill. And all of a sudden they were, uh, before you could blink, they were down double digits. And I... I the, the, the head scratch for me, though, I never saw a final tally on deflections, but I assume it was well over 32. This yeah. might have been a rare. It, this might have been a rare game that a Shaka team got 32 deflections and lost. I think the only time that's happened at Marquette was that double overtime game against Creighton, um, th- that they got more than 32 and they lost, but. This was, uh, you know, if you're following Marquette basketball, you know what I'm talking about. Deflections are just a, a stat that uh, it's not an official stat, but it is something that the Marquette coaches, especially Shaka, keeps track of. And that's basically anytime uh, a defender gets his hand on the basketball. It doesn't necessarily have to be a steal, but if you get a hand on the ball, you, you know, deflect a pass, block a shot, anything to disrupt the offense, that's called the deflection. They track them. 32 in one game usually translates to a win. And when I say usually, I'm talking like a winning percentage of probably better than 900. Like better than they win more than 90, maybe even 95% of their games when they get 32 deflections. And I, again, I didn't see the final total, but I knew they had like 
16 with se- with several minutes left in the first, and somebody tweeted that they had 27 deflections with 14 minutes to go in the game. So I'm assuming they got to 32. At, uh, but, man, just they were out of sync offensively, and uh, despite the high number of deflections, the defense was uh, lacking, I thought. they got uh, Seton Hall got a lot of offensive rebounds, um, and they hit a bunch of open shots. Uh, Open threes. They shot forty percent from three in the game. Uh, just man, just a head scratcher of a game. That why how it got that bad that quickly. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think the big thing was like again defensively. Ba- basically, the the story of the game was Marquette either tur- turned them over, or more than likely Seton Hall got a bucket. Right, like, like you know, and even if it wasn't a, a bucket on the first shot, they were maybe getting a bucket on the second shot, right? Because Seton Hall collected 14 offensive rebounds. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was a head-scratcher because I think not only was, was it confusing because the defense was like feast or famine, which we're not used to, um, but the offense was wildly out of sorts. Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones specifically, I mean, not to say, hey, you know, we lost because of them or whatever, but like those guys were clearly just an off game. You know, I mean, Cam went three for 10 from three. Tyler was one of three from three and O of three from two. Um, You know, so just not at all them themselves that we would typically see. Um, so that game just seemed disjointed. I don't know if they were like, it wasn't like they were playing scared, but it like, like they were playing frantic and frustrated. And, and even with all that, Marquette had a chance to win and, and inexplicably, um, the reason they didn't win and they, they lost by three was because they, they lost their cool late in a game in a couple of offensive sets and then didn't get back on defense and it resulted in some runouts and and that was like that that personified like the overall just out of sorts that the team seemed to be throughout that game that that resulted in the loss and and you know i can't explain what why why this team with this much experience with the culture with with the coaching staff they whether you call it rattled or confused or frustrated whatever term you want to put on it they were something other than themselves, and that resulted in the loss. Yeah, what, they had it tied at, what, 66 late mm-hmm. in the second half? And yeah. And Seton Hall went on a 10-0 run in, like, the blink of an eye. And, like, when they when it was – they got it to tied at 66, I, I was kind of in the mode of, like, all right, they're going to finish this. Like, it, it's been a fight from Seton Hall, and respect them for the fight. But Marquette's going to finish this, and they just absolutely didn't. Like, I think – yeah, you mentioned the two runouts. I think especially it was one off of uh, – Tyler took a bad shot. Like a real bad three, like a logo three that hit front yeah. rim, and then he didn't get back on D. Yeah, it's just, whew. Um, but yeah, yeah, Tyler did not have his, uh, Tyler did not have his best game. Um, and But, you know, is, I found it was interesting in the post-game comments. Shaka, this is, uh, I got this quote from uh, Jaden Daly, who covers uh, Seton Hall. He said, um, this is a quote from Shaka in post. He said, we were not consistently defending with the desperation you have to have to defend with on the road. We don't have everyone on our team on an equal level with Oso Iguodaro and his passion for winning. And that starts in practice. That has to improve. 
So that's an interesting quote for me, Phil, that he essentially called out everybody except Oso. <laughs> like he like he, he wanted to shield Oso from the criticism because he's pleased with what he's getting from Oso, as he should be. I mean, Oso had uh, 22 and 8 in the game. A really solid game from Oso. But to say that, essentially say, I wish everyone else was playing as well as this guy, that tells me he, he is dissatisfied with some guys. He didn't call him out by name, but I got to feel like everybody except Oso kind of felt that one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that was... How do you feel about that? Like, even taking a, a step higher, like, we, we've had some coaches in the past that liked to uh, chastise the team through the media, right? Like, Buzz would, would do that all the time. Um, that's the first time we've seen that from Shaka that I can recall. Like... I mean, good. He, he call call out some of the team. I don't know that that Oso's the only one I would shield, but um, but but calling him out is fine. But how do you feel about the calling out, you know, in public like that altogether? Do you think that's like him trying to kind of shock the team a little bit, or maybe you know, a little bit? Yeah, I think it, I sense a little frustration. Um, I mean, he yeah, did almost like, drop an f bomb. He did on the radio show. He did. He definitely had to censor himself on the radio. I heard that quote too. But he. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, a, a little frustration. And uh, I, I, I think he did it the right way. Like he didn't call out anybody by name in a negative way. Like he mm-hmm. didn't say, you know, like I wish I could get more from Tyler. He didn't say anything like that. You know, he he just said, I w- we need some guys to step up like Oso is. And I, I think everyone hears that without hearing their name, and I think that's the right way to do it. And I'm guessing Shaka did not say anything on the radio or in press a press conference that he hasn't already said in the locker room, and right. won't say at the Al McGuire Center this week. So um, I don't mind it. And sometimes I, 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 you know, we're not there yet as far as like really being concerned about this team with me anyway. Um, but like I, I, I do wonder if this team has. Uh, maybe read some headlines or read some blogs or dare I say, listen to some podcasts hmm. telling them how great they are. Um, and maybe believed it and maybe they've lost an edge in that regard. And maybe Shaka wants that edge back, you know, because I, I, I think this team has had high expectations that they welcomed by the way, right? Invited. In season, they were, t- yeah, like they were embracing it. Like they weren't like, playing coy or anything saying oh i don't know we'll see hopefully we'll be good we're gonna do our best we can they're saying no we want to go to the phoenix and we want to win the national championship for shaka on his birthday right like Mm -hmm. they were not shy about expectations at all uh and a lot of people correctly so early in the preseason had them as a top five team a top uh contender for the national title especially after as great as they looked in the maui invitational um but I think the grind of being on the road since they've gotten back from Hawaii has gotten to them a few times. This is three poor road performances in a row. Yep. Correct. Correct. Yes. So, is that a coincidence or is it a trend? Well, I think at this point we have to say it's a trend. First of all, second of all, I think the way I would articulate this because you know I don't want I I think I've finally joined you in in terms of checking some of the lofty expectations now right like there is enough there there that this tells me hey the the floor for this team is real um and this team is kind of playing to their floor right like it you know the the ceiling is national title contender right and that's kind of where we were 
post post Maui. The floor is probably like a top four Big East team. Um, yeah, probably the, the floor is yeah top four Big East team and anywhere from a three to a six seed. Um, that's that's kind of the floor. And quite frankly, they're playing like that right now, especially on the road. And I don't I, you know, maybe the crowd, you know, the the the, the home crowd you know, has a lot of EGBs and, and they play better that way and they get linked, synced up. But like this, this veteran of a team shouldn't be rattled by road games, but they yeah, are. And clearly... I, hey, look, I know it's tough to, yeah. Yeah. Like I know it's tough to win road games in the big East, but that doesn't mean we should just shrug it off every time they lose and, and losing all of them would be fine. Right. Like, if they, if they, yeah, let's say they do win at DePaul and Georgetown and lose all the other big East road games. That's 12 and eight. That's, yeah. that's below expectations. Yeah, right? and that would put I, I them think, as a maybe a top four, maybe top five team in the Big East, right? Yeah, like that. That, that I think even the team would say no. 12, eight, 12 and eight is not what we're shooting for. Um, so something needs to change on the road. I'm not sure exactly what. I, I but yeah, like again, not to sink because I think everybody had a hand in this. Um, but you're not going to win very many games when you're getting. Um, pedestrian production from Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick, right? You know, right. For most for most players, shooting thirty percent from three and thirty, you know, thirty three percent from the floor is okay, and that'll help you in some ways if that's one of your role players. But when you're returning all American and uh, you know another all Big East player playing at that level, uh, you need somebody else to make up for that and. I don't think Mar- Marquette doesn't have the depth to make up for that. Like, right. uh, especially when you lose Chase Ross. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like maybe there's sometimes maybe you could have a game where Chase has a big game and maybe you don't you're, you're not hurt as bad by a rough game from Cam or Tyler. But when you lose Chase too, um, then Marquette's depth is an issue. I think. Cause I you know, and again, I, I try to be nice when I'm critiquing teenagers, uh, or you know, twenty year old, twenty one year old, but you know. The freshmen are not ready for this, and boy, did you see it in that game with uh, the the minutes Trey Norman got, right? Right. Yeah. Like, Sean. Go ahead. Yeah. Sean Jones got his fourth foul. Uh, that that was early, like, like midway through the second half. I want to say that was like ten minutes to go, eleven minutes to go, something like that. Yep. Shaka pulls him, puts in Trey Norman, who he probably had not planned on playing in that game, but with Chase out and Sean with four, you had to do it. Trey. Again, I'm trying to be nice here, but just a terrible decision going hero ball and throwing up just a terrible shot that led to a run out in a Seton Hall bucket. And then he goes, and then he commits a foul in the next possession, and Shaka had seen enough. He's like, I- I'm putting Sean back in there with 10 minutes to go with four fouls. I just have to. And I, I think Shaka's at a point where I- he would love to play the freshman. He just can't trust them right now. Right. I- I- I'm shocked Lowry didn't get, didn't get some run, especially – you know, trying to, to balance the minutes with Joplin and, and, you know, and, and, you know, Lowry has shown some prowess on the defensive end. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, Shaka just for, he has, he has seen enough that says, Hey, we, we can't get there. Um, and, and I do want to like, you know, point out like, yes, they lost Chase Ross in the first half. So the first half being down three, and and kind of the startled and the rotations are off and and now you've got Stevie Mitchell trying to to guard Kadari Richmond like all the time. 
Um, but but even then, Kadari Richmond was in foul trouble in the first half, so it wasn't as big a problem. Um, so I get where the first half where they're discombobulated, right? They're, you know, basically Chase was in for a minute and a half, and then he was gone, right? And he usually plays yeah, five, six, played. seven. Right. Plays usually six, seven minutes in that first rotation, right? So now all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, we got, we're rejiggering what's going on. So I get where they, they lose the lead and, and end up, um, you know, down going into halftime. Um, but then coming out of halftime, they kind of came back, but like not, not dissimilar to Providence, which again, I think it's, it's a trend more than an aberration, you know, they would get kind of close and then all of a sudden they'd, they'd lose their focus and Seton Hall would go on a run. And then they'd kind of come back and then Seton Hall would go on a run. And then they'd kind of come back, Seton Hall would go on a run. At that point, like the shock of Chase not being available is, is worn off. Um, you know, so like there's no, that's not an excuse for the second half, in my opinion. Um, and and again, offensively, it still works. I I you know maybe maybe I just expect too much, but how many open looks did we miss, especially from three? Um, you know, I think Cam had at least three or four open wide open threes that just did not go down. And like, it's now a trend with Cam where he is just not shooting well at all. Like for the last six or seven games, right? Like. You know, we were we were kind of early in the season bagging on Stevie and and Sean Jones for their three point shooting percentage, and rightfully so. And they're they're starting to come back towards you know what we consider normal. But Cam is in as bad a slump, you know, especially from the volume he's shooting. Uh, he's yeah. in as bad a slump as those two were. Yeah, Cam, Cam's struggling a little bit. I, I I'm still optimistic that he's going to find it and he's going to shake this off because he's just too good a shooter. He has been since the day he stepped on campus. Um, not sure what's going on there, but I, I'm just going to just hope it goes away. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, I hope it's like what it's like a, like when you get a cold or something, like you, you hope it's something that just goes away without you having to go into the, it getting worse and you having to go into go right. to the doctor for it. It's like, hey, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. Right. And hopefully right. it does. But, that that's what I'm hoping with it is with camp shooting that he's going to come out against hopefully Butler this week. If not, it would be great for Villanova or St. John's right after that, uh, where you know he's what we're used to seeing, and he all of a sudden knocks down like you know five of seven threes. Like, oh, there's Cam. That's Cam. right. Um, and he's also struggling from two, by the way. Right. Um, he, yeah, his two point shooting is almost more alarming uh, than his three. And I, I don't know, maybe teams are seeing the scouting report and are getting used to some of his like clever scoop shots around the basket and maybe they're anticipating it a little more and those are harder to come by because Cam has always been always been so good at least the last two years he didn't do this as a freshman but the past two years he has just been so good at just getting to the basket and having those tricky scoop shots where you just wonder how he gets the shot off or around the defender and spins it off the glass and it's just a work of art watching him do it he he's had trouble getting those yeah, well, and and I mean to your point, I mean his numbers in, in this season are off even compared to his freshman year, right? Like is is you know especially if you look at it like his conference only numbers for for twenty twenty four, you know he's shooting forty four percent from two. He never shot, you know, he was in the sixties pretty much all of last year, and then his freshman year he was you know the lowest he got. Yeah, and you know. 
he was in you know roughly around 48 percent so he's he's down even from his freshman year um and then his three-point shooting he's shooting in conference he's shooting 22 percent um you know historically he's like a 38 percent three-point shooter so yeah. that's that's real that's real troubling that, that that's a concern and you're hoping that the you know I think Sean Jones three-point shooting is coming around after yeah. that, that horrid start he 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 was two for two so maybe that's making up for it a little bit um because Marquette as a team shot 35 percent from three against Seton Hall while not elite that's certainly something you manageable take, right that, right that's, yeah that that's fine yeah like you would love a little more but 35 percent 35.7 percent in a game for three that that's fine that's a good, nice number but um, but yeah, so hopefully Sean's coming around. Stevie's Stevie was one for two. So between those two guys who had been struggling so bad, they were three for four. That you'll take that. So th- their progression is making up for Cam's regression a little bit. But still, you want Cam to be that guy that. 36, 37, 38 percent three point shooter that just makes him so lethal and such a game changer. So yeah, uh, he, he's struggling. But still, I think the team overall. It's just missing a piece, right? I don't know, like, what the piece is or, like, what type of, like, like what I could insert except just to say I wish it was Omax, right? right? Um, and, and, you know, and especially when you lose a guy off the bench, like Marquette, will, Marquette struggled for a while without Stevie, and that took Cam off the bench or took Chase Ross off the bench. Um, and then now Chase Ross is hurt, and I'm guessing he might miss a few games. We haven't got a diagnosis yet or an ETA on when he returns. But especially when you lose a guy, then you have to get to those freshmen, or you just have to have a short bench and just have be rotating seven guys. I think the depth it really hurts because um, I, I, maybe our expectations as far as guys taking leaps were unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be all on us as fans after seeing what um, Justin did from year one to year two, what Tyler did from uh, his first year to his second year. Uh, and and thinking there would be an, even Cam the progression he made from his freshman year to his second year, um, to to expect a similar leap for Joplin or Ross that would really make up for the loss of Omax and that really hasn't happened. The thing is, I think Joplin, despite what the numbers say, I think he is progressing at a perfectly fine rate. Is he taking a leap to be an NBA prospect? No, but. He does little things now that tells you he is responding to the way Shaka is challenging him. Perfect example was in that game uh, against Seton Hall. He took a three, he missed it, but he followed his he followed his miss, got an offensive rebound, and put it back. That's something David Joplin did. David Joplin did not do last year. Right. He was not a he, like Shaka has challenged him to rebound the ball more, especially offensively, and he has responded to that. So Joplin is progressing at a fine rate, as is. Other guy, other guys like Chase and uh, and Stevie, but no one has taken that leap that I think some of us may have hoped for to be like, oh, we got another pro, right? Like we we got another high level guy that wasn't a high level guy last year. I think some guys are taking small leaps, and that's fine, and that helps you um, maintain the level you had a year ago. But as far as taking a leap to national title contender, I think that's missing. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you, and I think, you know, speaking of leaps, I think part of the challenge from an expectation standpoint was, and, and I don't think we wanted, I don't I don't think we were going to say, hey, Ben Gold is going to make 
this superhuman leap that, you know, Tyler Kolick or Oso Igadaro did from year one to year two, right? Like, I don't, I don't think we were putting that on them, but collectively each of the individuals, I think there's progression, but it's not enough progression that if some of the big names, you know, Tyler, Cam, um, Oso, if they have an off night, we haven't, you know, we haven't developed our depth, you know, enough that they can make up for that difference, right? Because that, because that scene Hall game again, you, no chase. Tyler not playing well, Cam not playing well. I, you know, regardless of what we think of this team and its ability to win a national title or whatever, there's just not enough like talent on the team that you can overcome all that on the road and be victorious, right? So. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we want to put it one. We don't want to lay it at any one person, right? It's a team collective. Everybody's going to have an off game. You know, it's not a judgment, but like the, the pieces have to figure out how to overcome when someone's having, you know, having an off night and, and they're just not there. Right. And I think that chase Ross injury is going to be, um, going to be a challenge. It, <laughs> I mean, we, we don't have a progr- prognosis, Shaka used both the words separation and dislocated, uh, which are two different injuries. So we'll see. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. This is a, you know, maybe a two week, you know, absence for for Chase Ross, depending on you know, kind of based on what what Shaka said in in the the post game press conference. If that's the case, you know, you, you can go to a seven, you know, seven, you know, team bench um, or a seven player bench, right? Um, we've got like, we're not in a crush of games where we're going to be, you know, we're going to be exhausted, but you know, we got another road test coming up here in late mid, mid January in St. John's. So we're going to find out here real quick. If, if this road road versus home thing is a, you know, is a real problem. Yeah, that, that St. John's game worries me a little bit, but we'll get to that when we get to that and see exactly who we have available for it. But, um, the, but yeah, I, I, I agree with, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying there. And, but by the way, did want to shield, uh, speaking of guys who have struggled, Ben Gold seems like he's been in a touch of a funk the last couple games as well, but he hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes either. He, he showed some prowess as a rebounder early on in the season, but, um, I don't know. It hadn't been there for him either. So, yeah, I, I, a lot of guys are, are kind of struggling, and that's why I think, you know, Coach Shaka called out a lot of guys except basically everybody except Oso. But, yeah, I, I will be curious if Shaka is, like, kind of done with the freshmen as far as Big East minutes against teams not named DePaul and Georgetown or if he's going to keep hammering those guys in practice, say, look, if we're going to be without Chase for a while – we need something from you guys, and it is that like, and when what he needs is not them to go outside their comfort zone or like beyond their role and try to be the star player or lead the team in scoring. It's just to contribute and accept the role, right? Like, for you know, perfect again going back to that Trey Norman play and seeing all we like Marquette did not need him to be a hero and make a circus shot in that game. They needed him right. to fill some minutes and play some defense and if he had an open look to take it but otherwise run within the offense I think that's what he needs from guys like uh, Zade and Trey if, if they're going to play but 
yeah, if I'm again, I have no idea what what to think about Chase's injury. They could come out and say he's questionable for Butler on Monday, or they can come out and say he's out a month, or heaven forbid they come out and say it's real bad and he's out for the season. Right. I, I, right. I guess nothing nothing would surprise me. I guess I, I have no idea. Hopefully it's not bad, but man, losing him in the rotation would be crushing in my mind because right. his energy and his versatility off the bench are just so critical for this team that just does not have a lot behind him. Well, yeah, because he's he's the one piece off the bench where you don't have to have this Sophie's choice of offense or defense, right? Chase can yeah. contribute on both ends of the floor, um, whereas the rest of the bench, you know, they each have their moments, right? But... Ben Gold, you're definitely bringing him in when, you know, on uh, from an offensive perspective, right? Like his defense, mm, he has his moments, but his defense is is just not where it needs to be to get to get the number of minutes he needs. And Sean is, you know, kind of hit or miss on the defensive end. I think, you know, I, I think as an individual defensive contributor, he's he's fine in terms of his on-ball defense, but I think he roams too much. In the team concept, I which, agree with that. I think he's he's great as a pest, right? Like, he, like it just it's a guy that gets in your face, who's quick and stays in front of you. But like playing connected with the four other guys, I think that may be a weakness for him. For him, right? And and so yeah. yeah, and so Chase, you're going to lose that. Where where okay, and and you're also going to add more wear and tear, right? You're going to see Stevie, who you know, again, he's coming off of the hamstring injury, so right, you got to hope hope that holds together, right? Um, you know, Joplin's going to have more minutes. Cam's going to have to have more minutes. Tyler's going to have to have more minutes. Um, you know, probably the only person it doesn't quote-unquote impact is Oso, but that's because Oso's already playing 36, 37 minutes, you know, and Chase isn't really playing the five. So, um, yeah, it's just going it, to – and and maybe that's what the, the calling folks out on, you know, in public and, and the reference to, hey, you know, we've got to – We've got to build the right approach, even even in practice. Maybe that's what this is about. Is you know, um, maybe that's Shaka saying, "Hey, we got to get we got to get look at look internally and get tougher here, and and get more serious." Because you know, I, I guess I'll ask you a question. Do you think you know I, the the Big East definitely? And and I'm not complaining about the officiating for Seton Hall at all. I thought it was I thought it was fine. Like I, there wasn't I can't even think of a quote-unquote controversial play i would uh yeah i agree i think i think the official officiating was right down the middle on saturday right um but but they definitely let them play physical right like in the 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 announcers you were even talking about it right like but they were it was physical both ways so it's it's not a it's it's not a quote-unquote problem but seton hall was physically tougher than marquette it it felt like and you know, Providence was now that one was much more egregious. Where Providence was doing some things they, you know, that that aren't allowed by the letter of the law. But again, you know, Providence was physical. Um, you know, and I'm not saying we're a soft team, but like it feels like we're getting, you know, especially for for a veteran team, um, it feels a little weird that that metaphorically we're kind of getting punched in the mouth. Um, and not able to like punch back or absorb the shock and and be about our business. I don't know. Do you do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. Find, I have found I have found in these road losses, these three, this Wisconsin, Providence, Seton Hall stretch, 
I find myself like waiting for the punch back and it never comes. Now we almost got it on Saturday in a shocking way when Marquette, <laughs> like, like after that 10-0 run, I was like done. All right, well they lost. This game's over. And then in the blink of an eye, they went on like an 8-0 run themselves. Like, oh well, hang on a second. Um, and like, but that's under the previous administration, I called that the too little, too late rally. Um, right. I I'm much more forgiving with this administration given what they've done. But uh, yeah, like I keep waiting for when they. Yeah, when they do struggle, for them to get off the mat. And sometimes, yeah, they play better, but they don't roar back, right? Like, they... Right. And maybe when we see those glimpses, I think we saw, like, five minutes in this Providence game or, like, like two or three minutes in the Wisconsin game where they did play at an elite level and got the game either tied or close to tied or within a possession of taking the lead. Um, and it was the same at the end of the Seton Hall game. And, well, we saw that elite like the high level play at the beginning of this game right the Seton Hall game where like they came out on fire but then they just really tailed off as you got to halftime and there was really no punch back in the second half until that furious rally that almost uh made things interesting but yeah I think I that's I think that kind of was getting at what you were saying though is that um the, the team does not respond the way maybe it has it did so many times last year which made last year so much fun Right, right, and 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 you know, like, and again, it, maybe it's the difference between home and road, but you know, where is at Seton Hall, especially, and and you know, I'll go on record as saying I am a wild opponent to Shaw Holloway. I think I just just in watching how he approaches the team in the game, um, you know, I like I just makes my skin crawl. Um, but but just the character of Seton Hall, the way they we were going about it, if Marquette had gotten a lead and just started put, exerting a little bit of pressure, I'm 100% confident Seton Hall would have collapsed. Um, you know, and, and, and the crowd would have been out of it. And, and Marquette just did not have that gear. It, and, and, and again, you know, this could be a bit of a swoon, right? It, it could be a bit of a... Hey, we're having a we're having a rough month. We've seen it, right? Like, um, you know, even Shaka's first year, right? Like December, January, and early February were just hot fire from Marquette, right? And then February into early March, um, then we started to see a, a downward trend or a slide. So, you know, maybe maybe we're seeing a downward trend. They're going to right the ship, and and kind of the the arrow is going to go back up. Um, again, I don't. I don't think this is a case where we have to change the floor or that the the ceiling of a national title is totally off the off the table. But I I think it is fair to say that we are, you know, again, it, this is repeating myself, but we're playing at the floor. We we are the floor right now, and it remains to be seen if here over the next couple of weeks, if we're gonna, you know, come a kind of come back up off the floor. And uh, and reassert ourselves. Yeah, I I, I agree. The Marquette is. It, I suppose it could get worse, especially with more injuries. But yeah, I think they are kind of playing about as poorly as a team with this much talent could. Right. Like. The, right. I don't see the wheels totally falling off and them like just totally tumbling down the state, like falling out of the rankings or get to the point where we're talking about them being a bubble team. I can't see them falling that far. Right, like right. it's it like for the when the bar is this high and the talent is this good, like 
struggling is always uh, subjective, right? It, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, for comparison, for this team, struggling would be losing, you know, one out of four games. Whereas for some other teams, winning, you know, winning three out of four would be great. But for this right. team, like, losing a game like every other week seems like, oh, no, what's going on? Um, or losing every road game, which is what's been happening since uh, Hawaii, which I think is maybe the basis for just the uh, the concern. But, yeah, I think the, the punchback and the, uh, the whole thing that we've been kind of talking about here goes back to what we talked about at the beginning was Shaka's quote about not being connected on defense and being, bringing that level of defense all game. And because um, I, I remember saying, saying in the first like five minutes of that game, saying Marquette is going to have a ton of deflections today. Because I want to say like Seton Hall's mm-hmm. first few possessions, like they, they got almost they got like a steal or a block on almost every possession, um, or at least a deflection almost every possession. I'm like God, they're going to blow past 32 today. And again, I never saw the final number, but I assume it was high. Um, but they didn't get enough stops uh, in the second half. Even if they did get enough deflections, the ball kept going back to Seton Hall. Seton Hall kept getting offensive rebounds, and they lost the game. And they made poor decisions on offense. Several people did. So, and and your two best guards just both had below average games by their standards, which is admittedly very high. But that's the way they want it, and that's the way I think we they all want it. We all want it is to have like all Big East, if not all American level expectations for guys like Kolick and Jones because they're that good. Uh, but they weren't that good uh, on Saturday, and. They did, and no one else was able to pick up the slack. Oso had a great game, but he can only do so much. So, tough one, tough one. And so Marquette currently sits at two and two uh, in the Big East. So they're kind of jumbled right in the middle there. Creighton's two and two. Providence is two and two. Feel tough. Feel bad for. It takes a lot to get me to feel bad for Providence, but Bryce Hopkins going down with an injury that'll do it. Um, sucks for them. Um, but then is, it, is it part of, of Seton, is it part of Seton Hall's strategy to? You know, get a uh, uh, get a significant player of the other team injured every game and and go on to win it. It that... has. It seems set, like the, Seton Hall uh, is three and one in all three of their wins. Their opponent has lost a significant player. UConn lost Klingon in their first one. Then they, uh, Seton Hall got blown out by Xavier. I don't think Xavier lost anybody to injury in that game. Uh, then Providence loses Hopkins for the season. Seton Hall wins that game, and then Marquette loses Chase Ross for we'll see how long. And Seton Hall wins that game, so uh, that's called that's what we call luck sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And Things... Fortune has been in their favor early on. Yes, yes. So it's, I, it's I, unfortunate. I would dare say, I would dare say, all three of those injuries, if they didn't happen, Seton Hall could lose all three of those games. A hundred percent, absolutely. And in fact, yeah. So there is a, you know, it, it's not dissimilar to the Providence asterisk. Big East title, you know, run of uh, of what was that, 2000 or, or 2000? Yeah, 2000, 2020. That was the year after COVID. It was the yeah. 2020, 20, so the 21 season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the 21 season where, like, they avoided some games that, that would have been, you know, likely would have been losses and, and all that stuff. You know, there, there's a, there, you know, you get you get a couple of things go the other way. Seton Hall could be 0-4. Absolutely, because even though they beat UConn by a lot, I want to say it was like a four or five point game when Klingon went down. Yep. Um, so obviously he could have turned the table in that game. Uh, the Providence game was very close when Hopkins went down, and they lost, and they beat Marquette by three. So it is not a ridiculous statement to say injuries 
very helpful in Seton Hall's three and one record, but they are what they are. They're three and one. Yep. As is UConn, as is St. John's, as is Villanova. So Marquette is looking up at four teams right now, uh, as we are just four games into the Big East season. Chance to maybe bounce back a little bit this week at home. Marquette gets a chance to extend its lofty home winning streak, which is one of the longest in the country right now. Yeah. And if they beat Butler, they could have the longest winning streak, home winning streak in the country. I think they need a couple other losses somewhere to have that streak to themselves. But uh, Fiserv Forum has been a tough place to play for opponents. There's no doubt about that. Um, the fans have been bringing it. The, the arena has been packed. Uh, the They've sold out a bunch of games already. Uh, I think the two remaining Saturday home games, which unfortunately there aren't many. I know Marquette has no control over that as far as what home games they get based on both the Big East schedule and the Bucks conflicts. But um, they only have two Saturday home games. They're both sold out. I think the UConn game towards the end of the season, that Wednesday in March, that's almost sold out. Uh, getting 18,000 plus uh, for home games in Milwaukee place gets pretty loud, place gets pretty rowdy. I expect it to be that way again on Wednesday against Butler. Uh, a Butler team that I think is better than some people thought, but still they are 1-3 uh, in the Big East. I, I think they've shown a little more moxie than I think people had them. I, I think there was, when they brought in all these transfers, I thought, I think there was some concern that these guys would work well together. And they've been fine, but they still haven't been like great top tier of the Big East. They've lost three straight. They beat Georgetown to start the league. Then they've since then they've lost to Providence, St. John's, and Connecticut. So three pretty good games because they lost. You know, Providence had Hopkins at the time, um, and then uh, lost pretty big to St. John's. And then uh, they gave Connecticut a pretty good fight on Friday. I will give them that, uh, but they did end up losing that game by seven. Um, what jumps out to you as Thad Mata's crew? Uh, comes to Milwaukee this week, Phil? Um, I think that's the thing that, that jumps out to me is kind of, you know, where where these teams are and, and how they've been playing. If if you can believe it, um, you know, Butler, if you do conference only, <laughs> Butler's defense has been atrocious in conference play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, and now Marquette's offense hasn't been great in conference play either. Um, so it's going to be a very movable object going against a, uh, a somewhat resistible force. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think it's I, I think Butler has surprised me that they are not a dumpster fire because um, I was I was definitely one of those. You know, there is no way these pieces are going to work. And they're they're You know, if you look at their shot chart, it, it's like. You know, Thad Mata stopped reading anything about basketball um, after 2001, right? Like, just structurally, the the way they go about things um, is very antithetical of uh, antithetical of of how things are going these days. Um, but they're they're pretty gritty, um, you know. So th- this is another, you know, like we said about Seton Hall, right? Like, should Marquette win? Yes, but Marquette can definitely play, and we saw him play that way on Saturday. Marquette can definitely play in a way that loses this game because, but you know, it's not a rollover game for for by any stretch of the imagination. So, I, I don't know. It's going to present an interesting challenge for Marquette. I, I, how do you feel about it? Looking at it, I, I feel confident because it's at home. If this was a trip to Hinkle, I'd be really worried just based right. on the team's mindset and not having Chase. But considering it's in Milwaukee, that makes me that gives me some level of comfort, and hopes gives. I hope it gives the team 
a level of comfort as well uh, that maybe the offense will be a little more connected. I, I'm assuming they're going to be without Chase. Again, I'm hoping Chase's injury isn't severe, but I'm guessing it's bad enough that they're going to they would keep him out for this game. Um, Posh Alexander is a frustrating player sometimes yes. because uh, he's a pest in, in his own way. Maybe not in the same way Sean Jones can be, but they could probably do the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other in this game because they're both little guys that can really um, get in your face and really cause a lot of havoc on defense, but uh, neither one shoots the ball well. Uh, but Posh has those, sometimes he has his games where he shockingly shoots the ball well. And you're like, well, we left him open for a reason, but he hits the shot. Um, he hasn't been shooting from three a ton this season, though. Um, but he, he is a guy who, despite his numbers, I am always concerned about him finding it against Marquette and just creating just enough havoc on defense that he's able to get buckets the other way or he just creates something with his quickness and his decision-making um, on the offensive end. So I, I, I am wary of Butler that they, like, they're that team that you know you're better than them. You just don't want mm-hmm. to screw up because then they would totally take advantage, right? Um, right. And, and, again, if this was at Hinkle, I would be more nervous, that trap game against a desperate team. But considering this one is at serve. I'm still going to have some faith in this team. I know we've thrown out a lot of negative and worry in this podcast, but that doesn't change the fact I still think Marquette is super strong and super capable of winning all of its home games. Um, so I, I think they should handle Butler. Uh, Ken Palm has this as a 10-point spread, which is, uh, you know, I, I can see it being that much, honestly. Uh, it would probably, you know, it wouldn't be like double digits all game. It would be one of those games that maybe you're up five, six, seven late and get a couple of free throws to get it to ten, um, and that's maybe the final total. But um, yeah, I, I think it'll. The, Butler will give them all they can handle for most of the game. It's just I want to see that punch back, and with the fans behind them, I think we will see a little more punch back from this team. You would you would hope so. I, I think the thing that the only and worry is not the right word. The, the 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 only thing that gives me hesitation of being like yeah. Um, you know, I think we can, I think we can win this game, you know, maybe not comfortably, but at least, um, you know, with, with, with some, some confidence, um, is that like this Butler team is they're, they're going to, they want to, they want to muddy the waters, right? That their basketball style is again, they're going to be physical. Um, they want to, they're, they're not going to like, they're not going to finesse you. They're going to get in there. They're going to play bully ball. Um, you know, they don't shoot a lot of threes and they don't shoot them particularly well. Um, you know, so they're going to, they're going to want to get in, in, into the paint. They're going to try and draw, draw fouls, be real physical, push you around that sort of thing. And, and, you know, Marquette, again, I don't, I don't know that it struggles with, but like is challenged by that. So this will be a really good test of, especially in the comforts of home, you know, can Marquette reset that edge? Can they choose violence um, and and put away a a, a, a sparky Butler team? Um, because again, if Marquette does not play strong, if they don't play confident, if they don't play their style, um, Butler could absolutely steal one, and then we'd have some, you know, then we'd have some real angst, right? Because now all of a sudden, that, there would be some angst that, in the building. There would be yeah. some angst in the building if Marquette walks off that floor with a loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, again, still plenty of season to play and plenty of time to make up for it. But uh, I, I think if Marquette does not win Wednesday, it might even be it might be a different tone 
both in that building and on this podcast. Yeah. Like, ugh, yeah. There are yeah. issues. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. But you know, you know, Butler does have a little bit of size, by the way. I mean, they're, they're starting center Jalen Thomas. He's six ten. I didn't realize they have a seven one kid from. Uh, I guess he's a transfer from Bucknell, Andre Screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got pretty good rebounding numbers, even though he doesn't play a ton of minutes. But yeah, I mean, Butler could probably put up um, a bit of. I mean, the thing is, despite that size, though, their offensive rebounding numbers are not great. Their rebounding right. numbers overall aren't great. So that should not be as concerning as it was against Seton Hall, the second chance points. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, you, you see. I think you'll see a, a spark from Marquette's guards, uh, particularly the leaders, um, Tyler and Cam, this week. Hopefully, one of them is back to his old self, if not both of them, because that would be really nice to get them right uh, heading mm-hmm. into next week. Because next week, it, it steps, it goes up a notch because you're going against Vill- you have Villanova, but it's at home, and then you got St. John's, who is also probably overachieving compared to what people thought, even though I think a lot of people did expect Patino to bring something to the new Big East. I don't know how many people thought they could be a tournament team this year, but they are kind of trending in that direction. Um, St. John's looks pretty good. And the thing is, you and I both did predict that as a loss in our game-by-game, just on the stuff happens on the road sometimes philosophy, and stuff has happened on the road (laughs) to this Marquette team this year. Uh, But uh, that St. John's game worries me quite a bit right now. We'll get to that after we see what happens with Butler and once we learn more about Chase Ross. Yeah, and, and you know, I, uh, this I, – I'm, I'm stammering here because I, I was trying to think how to articulate this. One of the things, and, and it may seem like such a silly thing, but if we can never foul a three-point shooter with less than four seconds on the shot clock again the rest of the season – then we have made some changes. If I see one of those during the Butler game, I may start crying because that it's been a lot. a lot this year, hasn't it? Yeah. It's like, like at least five times yeah. I can think of. Yeah. And like, it's just even if it, again, even if the number is only five, which seems like a low number, that's five too many. Like, right. You, you should never foul a three point shooter. Uh, it seems like it happens quite a bit and I'm not sure why exactly it's just they just over aggressive and just getting a guy's face while he's shooting a three and uh, yeah that needs to stop small victories let's start there let's go a game without fouling a three-point shooter so yeah we can start there yeah that, let's let's claim that but yeah it's it's going to be interesting I'm, I'm curious to see how the crowd is again there, there should be a large contingent there I know 8 p.m. games are tough for some folks or whatever, but, you know, get over it. We're all adults. Um, I, I'm just I'm I'm just curious because, again, I don't think you or I are, you know, depressed or, you know, think think this team is bad or anything like that. But I don't know what the vibe is of the fan base in general. Like, are they on edge? Are they, you know, and, and, and again, maybe this is one of the the problems of, of being quote unquote rich, right? Like high expectations this season, you know, where this season has gone, even where it is right in this moment, short of one season during Wojo, we would absolutely taken this season, right? Mm -hmm. Like as is we, you know, strip, strip away the expectations other than 2019, this season we're having, we would have loved in any season in the Wojo era. Right. Um, this is on par to some of the seasons that we saw, you know, that, that turned out really well in the buzz era. So 
again, we're, you know, it's kind of we're, we're lost in the forest of, oh, my God, we're not a national title contender, which that's our fault. We kept hyping it up. Um, but not all is lost. Well, we'll see. I mean, there is a trend here that we're that is worrisome. If that trend continues, then, you know, that will induce panic. Um, but, you know, there's an opportunity here to right the ship. If you go out and, you know, you if you beat Butler by, by 15 or something like that, okay, you know, maybe it's a road thing, right? Maybe, you know? it might be. Maybe very well be. It's just uh, maybe it's a focus on the road. I, I, I don't know exactly because, boy, they've been – Marquette has been really tough at home. Um, they, they've played really – really well consistently and against some good opponents too it's not just they're just blowing out by teams too i mean they they smoke texas at home they got a very impressive win against creighton at home um yeah and yeah the rest have been by opponents beyond that i mean notre dame's not a great opponent although notre dame did hang with duke for a little while this week but um yeah i i expect a great effort and a refocus, and I think uh, Shaka, whatever Shaka said in the press conference, will be echoed and elaborated on quite uh, quite a bit over the next couple days as they get ready for Butler. I, I, one thing Shaka has done so well is coming up with ideas to get this team focused and get them bought in, and I, I can't believe like he's losing this team or anything. No, right? It, no, like, I'm no. Not, I'm certainly not there yet. I'm nowhere near there right now. Right. Uh, it's just. It's just it's just a couple blips in the road, and um, again, and you, if we can always make ourselves feel better and just keep chalking up things to injuries, right? Didn't have Stevie against Providence, didn't have Chase for most of the game against Seton Hall. Uh, this team against full strength has still been pretty damn good. Um, so let's let it play out. We've still got 16 games to go in the Big East season, uh, and then we've got a tournament in March. So just keep it going, relax a little bit, but. Again, we are we are all fully aware of some of the negative signs that just basically I mean, this team's not perfect, and that's okay. Right. You don't need to be a perfect team to go to the Final Four. You just need to be good, and I think this team still is very good. Maybe great. We'll see. Right. Yep. I I agree. All right. I think we're about time to wrap this up. You feel? Think, I think uh, yeah, I, I feel like everything. We've, uh, yeah, I think we've covered everything, and you know, had some doom, and we had some happy, and and I think we got it all. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move it along then. Uh, as always, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, or X-Twitter, right? We're going to do that. Yeah, X-Twitter. X-Twitter. Yep. Uh, I'm Joe McCann 3 Phil is M-O-O-O-F-23, at Crack Sidewalks. It's a team handle. You can go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post podcasts there where you can leave comments. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Phil, uh, have a good week. Uh, good luck to your Packers. For those of you, for you and so many like you in the Marquette fan base who are Packer fans, um, good luck to y'all this week. I yeah. will uh, try to get a Peacock login to keep track of the Chiefs game. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, funny thing, I uh, so my local Marquette group that I, I'm a part of here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, several weeks ago, or several months ago, uh, the Dallas Mavericks reached out to me, I guess they got my name through the alumni association that I run, like the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter after they drafted OMAX, said, hey, would you and the Marquette chapter like to come to a game? Long story short, we tried to pick a weekend when Marquette was not playing, and the Mavs were, and so we settled on the 13th, January 13th, which is this week, yay, uh, that's when my Chiefs play Saturday night, so I'm very upset about that, um, and also, I'm 
a little upset that Omax has been going back and forth between the Mavs and the G League, so it may be the worst case scenario that like the Chiefs are playing and lose, and uh, we go to this Mavs game to see Omax and he's not there. So <laughs> I'm I'm a little nervous for my Saturday, Phil. Yeah, that this is this is shaping up to be you know real a real disaster. I mean, you know, may, maybe you should write a sternly worded letter to uh, Jason Kidd and say, hey, we got we got to get Omax in. Uh, you know this this particular game just to salvage the Saturday. He won't care, and in fact, and... <laughs> in fact, he may hit you. But other than that, you can yeah. give it a go. Yeah, I suppose it's worth an email. Worth an email, and maybe if I can get. Uh, I don't know if he still wears them. Remember last year, Luca in one of his uh, Luca oh, yeah. in one of his games, he wore the Luca uh, his Luca ones, his shoes that were Marquette colors. Um, right. I don't know if they still have those or they still make those, but if, if, I wonder if we can get word say, hey, like the Marquette alumni are going to be there Saturday. Could you wear the Marquettes, Luca once? That'd be awesome. So that would be cool. Just make it small requests with the Mavericks this week, but yeah. So just the one game this week. Hopefully they beat Butler again. Everybody, we appreciate you listening and uh, have a great week. Until next week, everyone. Seashells and balloons.